There's nothing a man above. Don't put you in situations that you can't handle. And I just kept that same positive attitude. Like, instead of saying, why me? They're saying, this is what he want me to do. And, uh, Cleveland, this is for you. Reporting live from the gutter, the BB Podcast with BBA and Potatoes. What's up, guys? This is BBA and Potatoes, and we have a great episode for you guys today. Tell them, Potatoes. Hey, guys. Yeah, episode three. Got some good stuff to get into. Uh, some NBA Finals recap. That was earlier this week. Today is what? one of my favorite days of the year, draft day. Uh, getting into some predictions some picks, and then uh, flowing into some free agency talk as we begin this NBA offseason. NBA Finals? What's that? What's Cleveland? And while I'm asking these questions, what about that bet I won last week when I said the Cavs were going to win the NBA Finals? I don't know what you're talking about. No recollection. Well, well, you're going to be doing something that involves a lot of public humiliation. But... (laughs) But let's go ahead and get into it. So what happened? Were the Warriors just banged up, not, you know, God wasn't on their side, or was it the Cavs were that good? You know what? I think it was a combination of both. I think in that series, LeBron and Kyrie turned up so much, and they played so well that the Cavs did deserve to win, and I'm not going to take any, anything away from them. But on, on the other side of the coin, you know, Draymond's suspension just killed Golden State's momentum. You had the Bogut injury, and even Iguodala was banged up. So I think all those factors going into the equation um, equal to Cleveland Game 7. You can almost call it upset. Well, it was because it came back from 3-1. So, yeah, it was an upset. Um, I think if they replayed the series, Golden State would win, but that's just me. Yeah, for me, it was the Bogut injury that killed Golden State. That... Uh, that took away the rim protection. LeBron just went into video game god mode, and um, yeah, and, and I mean, let's be clear: we're not taking anything away from LeBron. He did go into god mode, and he just silenced all his haters. I, I am a LeBron supporter, so I'm glad to see him get his his third ring and get it for Cleveland. But um, just looking objectively, I, I can't say that they would pull it off again. I agree. I agree 100 percent with you. So everybody's kind of just disparaging the Warriors right now. So where do they stand all-time to you? I think they're an all-time great team. Um, I still think the the Bulls are better with their 72-10 and a ring, but there were some haters coming out today. Uh, not today, earlier this week. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy came out and said that they that the Golden State Warriors were not an all-time team. They were, in the grand scheme of things, a pretty good team, but because they didn't close out, they, uh, they don't deserve a place in an all-time Hall, which I completely disagree with. I think, I think anytime you get to seventy-three wins or that one percentage in any sport, uh, you deserve to gain that respect to be considered as an all-time great team. I think they are the greatest team of all time, despite losing in the finals. I don't think the ninety-five Bulls could beat them. I think there's way too much firepower on this team, and barring injury. I don't know who can chase them around for 48 minutes a game in seven-game series, and um, when they're all healthy. Oh, you just saw Cleveland do it. I mean, they weren't full health, like we said, but 
But I think that's the blueprint, uh, right? Um, and 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 again, once you get into this this uh, debate over what is the the best all time team, you you get stymied by uh, eras. You can't really you can't really compare the '80s and '90s to teams today because, like you saw, when Steph is getting actually banged up and hit on pick and rolls, and uh, you know. Kyrie's doing a good job on defense on him. He was a little off. I mean, he wasn't going Steph Curry, chef God mode where he's scoring 40 and just putting in eight threes a game. Um, I think if they did play in those 80s and 90s rules where you could play physical defense, I think the Bulls win. But if you play in today's rules, I think the Bulls get torched. So, okay. Okay. That, that makes sense to me. But since the rules are so different, and the league seems dominated by three-pointers now. What what do you need to be successful in today's NBA? I think Golden State has the blueprint. I think you need to have a bunch of these hybrid stretch guys, such as Draymond, Iguodala, Sean Livingston. Um, a lot of length. You need to be very versatile on defense. Um, one of the main things, one of the main things to be successful in the NBA today is being able to switch on picks and guarding multiple positions. I think that's where Golden State has the advantage over a lot of other teams is they're so good on defense because whenever you try to switch and make a mismatch, it's not really a mismatch because Draymond can guard too many positions. Iguodala can guard too many positions. Uh, and then their offensive firepower is the other side of the equation. You need to be able to make buckets. You need to be able to make people pay for their mistakes uh, like Steph and Clay do. Yeah, like I'm gonna pay for your mistake when you made that bet last week. But I think I still I think, don't know what you're talking about. I mean, <laughs> I woke up on Monday morning and I felt good. I mean, I didn't lose a bet or anything. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think honestly, the center is pretty much gone. I think the point guard, the role of the point guard to facilitate the offense is now is now gone too. I think you need point forwards. I think Golden State had it. Right, I think I could build a team where the tallest guy is six nine, and have them win a championship. I disagree with the blueprint wholeheartedly. And I don't we'll, think we'll get into a little back and forth, but I, I know the center position, the tra- traditional Shaquille O'Neal, is dying, and they're calling it a dinosaur position. But I still think you need bigs in there. You still need your Stephen Adams to gobble up rebounds and play physical. And I also do think that you you will always need that floor general like a Chris Paul who can run the offense, facilitate, create for other people, such as uh, for him, in his case, Blake and DeAndre. So I don't think the position, those two positions are dead, but I do agree with you in the fact that the, the, the escape of the landscape of the NBA is transitioning towards more of, you know, the six, seven to six, nine stretch guy. I mean, as much as I hate to say it now, since you brought up Chris Paul, uh, he is one of my favorite players. I think he has the potential to be the best point guard to ever play. To me, he's one of the, behind LeBron, the most valuable player. I don't think his style of basketball works in today's NBA. I think as a floor general, he needs to not do that anymore, and he needs to become primarily a scorer and look to facilitate second. Yeah, and and watching him early in his career in New Orleans and also following him uh, when he was – traded to Los Angeles, uh, that is one of the things that, one of the knocks I had on him is he was at times too unselfish. He always had the ability and still has the ability to 
get his own shot and you know score 25 a game when he wants to but he he sometimes uh chooses to facilitate first almost to a fault and i think he does need to be more aggressive i agree with that right right um yeah just like my boy james harden the best player in basketball everybody knows that <laughs> debatable debatable <laughs> but yeah That's a whole see, other episode so i mean there's a lot the nba is different now and i guess since today's draft day everyone's talking about one player who who was told he's going number one um your boy and uh one of my favorite players, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. What, do you do you think the he's Aussie. a star in the NBA? Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. Is he the I number one pick? I think with the skill set, whatever one pick overall, I think what it, he just covers everything we just talked about. Um, being this new hybrid point forward, uh, that that huge frame and still being able to run the offense and run fast breaks and. And help other guys get theirs. I think that is uh, a crucial aspect to being a, a good player in this league right now. So, and he has all of it. So I, I see him being a multiple, uh, multiple-time All Star. I see him being on All NBA teams. I see him being on all uh, defensive teams if he puts his mind to it too. I see him kind of as a hybrid between the Greek freak with his you know tall ability to drive and facilitate offense, and. Uh, kind of the frame of Sean Livingston. But here's what I do. If I'm guarding Ben Simmons, do you know what I do? I sag off of him. I force him to shoot the jump shot. Can he be successful without a consistent jump shot in the basketball? Yeah, yeah. You do that in years one and two when he's still figuring it out. But you look at people like Anthony Davis who came in so raw offensively and was primarily a defensive uh, force. And now he's shooting threes in the corner in Alvin Gentry's offense. And now he's hitting the mid-range jumper. Um, he, he'll develop a shot, and I think you're right. Early in his career, people will slack off and force him to shoot it. But you see people like Rajon Rondo, Tony Parker, uh, Anthony Davis, they all develop the shot. It'll, he'll learn it eventually. I mean, we'll see. So, so he's going number one. Brandon Ingram is going number two. I think the big concern is on defense. Can he be an immediate contributor in basketball? I think he needs to put, put on that weight. Get some muscle milk. Uh, he's still, I weigh more than him. He's 190 pounds. <laughs> well, I mean, that means that's. So when the wind blows, he just flies away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a kite, man. You can't got to put him on a string. No, he needs to bulk up. Uh, and like I said, that's that's something else. He's a young guy. He'll do that. All these knocks they have on Ben Simmons and Brendan Ingram, these are fixable things. These aren't like fundamental flaws in their game. It's all coachable, and they'll both be fine. Uh, my question for you is, I'm, I'm curious to see who do you have as your number one rated prospect, regardless of who's going first in, in the draft. Who do you like better, Simmons or Ingram? I like Simmons based off of the fact that he fits in today's NBA. Brendan Ingram plays more of a, a shooter role. I think he's not necessarily – I think Ben Simmons will become an all-star faster than Brendan Ingram will, if he becomes an all-star at all. Um, he has I all think the, he will be, yeah. At least yeah, I think give career. him a few years – yeah, he's got he's to kind of maybe pull a JJ and find a different way to play to fit in today's basketball. Um, so who do you think – okay, who's going to shock everyone? Who's a diamond in the rough in this draft? That's a great question because after those first two picks, I mean, you kind of get into the sea of players where 
you don't really know how to project them. I mean, you look at guys like Chris Dunn and you think they'll be a solid contributor. Buddy Heald can contribute immediately in a lot of people's minds. But um, a name that's been been thrown been thrown around, I can't even talk right now, been thrown around a lot is um, Marquise Chris. He's been shooting up draft boards. Just a month ago, he was in projected in the, uh, the 20s, mid-20s range, and now he's projected as a lottery pick, early lottery pick, so... You look at a guy like that, or is Jalen Brown with his athleticism? It's all about coaching. If you get him on the right team in the right situation, which most of these guys unfortunately will not be because they are in the lottery, um, but they have a lot of potential. I, I think a guy like uh, Sabonis, uh, Demonte Sabonis, I like him a lot. I see him as a big. You know, I like bigs. A, a big with good footwork. Um, <laughs> Joke aside, you like bigs. Um. <laughs> yeah, he has good footwork. He has that little baby hook. He has a high basketball IQ. You can work through him in the low post. Um, I see him as my dark horse rookie of the year candidate. Okay, that's a that's a really good dark horse pick. You know who I'm going with is Torian Prince from Baylor. Okay, okay. he looks like Chief Keef, but he's a little more responsible. <laughs> Watch out for him. I think he's going to be very, hopefully. very solid. He reminds me of Montrezl Harrell. I think that's how you say his name. But like, given yeah. the minutes, given the minutes, I think he could contribute immediately and be one of those guys you just do not want to face in the NBA. Yeah. So um, I, I've I've seen a, a little bit of film on him, but but I do agree with what I've seen. He he has that X factor um, that he can come in a game and give you quality minutes off the bench. All right. We'll see. So we'll okay. You got some bonus. Is, is, he, <clears throat> is, he is he your rookie of the year candidate? No, Ben Simmons is my rookie of the year. Okay, okay. I think Ben Simmons because he'll get the most playing time and he'll have the the most ability to showcase. So himself. so take those two guys out. Take Ingram, take Simmons out. Who who would you say is your dark horse rookie of the year candidate if you had to choose? Uh, <clears throat> Chris Dunn. Okay, I can see that as well. Yeah. I, think, I uh, really want the Pelicans to get Chris Dunn because I think that's what we need right now, a, a fast, long, defensive-minded point guard. But I don't see him dropping a six. I don't see that happening. Yeah, we'll see We'll see what happens. But um, you know, also along with the draft, there are a bunch of trades. Everybody's opting out. The big uh, news yesterday, Derek Rose to New York. Are they, are they a contender now? No. Not at all. I... It's a good story and it's good on paper, but I still need to, I need to. Derek Rose needs to prove to me that he can stay healthy consistently for a whole season and put together something. He doesn't need to be MVP Derek Rose, but he needs to be somewhere closer to that than where he is right now. Because I do like it on paper. You know, you mm-hmm. give up minimal assets um, to get him. I think the trade was Robin Lopez, hold it, Jose Calderon, and Jerry and Grant. Um, and in return, they mainly got Derek Rose with a couple of other, I think it was a pick and one other guy, but, um, I like that, that big three they got going now with Porzingis, Carmelo and Rose. Um, I think if they fill out some more of the roster, I heard they were also going after your boy Dwight, if that's a possibility. Um, I think they're a contender in the East, but I don't, I don't think they're a top two or one or two team. Did you hear that he recently uh, he signed an endorsement with Men's Warehouse? Did you hear about that, Dwight Howard? Because he's always in suits. Derrick Rose 
needs to actually play in the NBA. And he's a solid 16 points a game. I agree with you. He's not He's not an immediate contender. If they get Dwight, they're the two seed in the East. Hands down. Like, they, I don't know who's going to – I mean, it's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough You're saying they'll be the two seed in the East. If they get Dwight Howard, yes. If they get Dwight Howard. I don't think so, man. I don't think they can put it together in one year. I think if they keep that team together for a couple of years, even though Dwight and Carmelo are aging, um, I, I do agree in a couple of years they could be, you know, like a two or three in the East. But next year, I think they sneak in the bottom seven or eight. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's no, no I do agree that as a seven or eight seed, they will give some troubles to uh, to the top of the East. But I don't think they're good enough to go through a whole regular season, all healthy and blocking that top spot. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. They need to fill those uh, that roster out, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jeff Teague to the Pacers. Also, is that a? Does that how much? How much is really that brilliant move up? by the Pacers? I agree. I don't know what you're doing if you're the Hawks in that situation because you essentially give up Jeff Teague for what the 12th pick overall in a very shallow, diluted draft. So. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of dumbfounded by that move. Um, I think the Pacers got away with a great deal. And they also had news today about um, trading, the, I believe it was the Pacers, they traded their 20th pick to the Nets for Thaddeus Young. So they're Dude. also, so Dumb. now they have Thaddeus Young, Paul George, they still have Monta Ellis. They, they just got Jeff uh, Teague. If they put a big in place, I think they're they're also catapulting up in the East as well. I mean, they can I can see them easily being second or third seed next year. I agree. And Paul George, anybody who wears their own jersey on vacation to Greece, I support Baller that move. team. Baller move. Baller move. He's like, nobody will recognize me now. I can't be wearing my own jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be six foot eight walking around. I mean, he, he almost he almost inspired me to make my own fan jersey and wear it everywhere I go. Just have a potatoes jersey on deck in my suitcase. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, thinking of going back to the bet, <laughs> how good of a punishment would that be? Just having your own nickname or name on the back of your, on a jersey, just walking around looking like a complete tool. Yeah, it's just you'll get a bunch of questions. People will take pictures. It's kind of, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'll like, I'll do that. <laughs> if it gets me attention. <laughs> anything but, for attention, right? Yep, anything. So, as we kind of wrap this podcast up, there's another free agent. Or expected free agent. Um, he lives in. He actually played for my my hope my alma mater, the University of Texas Longhorns. His name is Kevin. Have you heard of him, Kevin Durant? He's kind of good. I've, I've I've read some articles and he's been in there. Um, I've seen his name here and there. Kevin Durant. He's a pretty good player, right? Uh, I don't know. Apparently, he can shoot the basketball. I don't know if he can really do anything else. And. Uh, <laughs> He cusses out his own yes. teammates when they do good this, things. This is the summer of Kevin Durant, KD, three five. Uh, we, I, I want to introduce a new segment, like uh, maybe a minute each episode. Have have KD tracker twenty sixteen summer of KD. See where he's going. See what he's been up to as the summer goes along, and he makes his pick. Um, I I wholeheartedly think he's going back on a one year to. Uh, the Thunder. It just makes so much sense financially, and it makes sense um, if he wants to get back to a finals with Russ. Like, 
I think that team's primed. They have experience getting that far this year. I think they do it next year. I don't. I don't think they get as far. I think this year was kind of a fluke for them. They played pretty well. I think if he goes to San Antonio, that's the only way Golden State will not win a championship next year. If he joins the Spurs. So, so if you're KD, do you do – what do you sign? Do you sign a long-term with San Antonio? No. Or? You sign the one plus one wherever you go and max out your money for the remaining years after your first year. Okay. Yeah, no. So I, that that would be pretty scary because I mean, if you pair him and Kawhi up, that would be interesting to see how they coexist in um how they coexist in San Antonio because they would be taking a lot of the same space of the floor up. Um could you play them side by side with I think you could. Put Aldridge could, at center, Duncan should go to the pool. That team works out. <laughs> The new small ball lineup. I like it. I like it. I was trying to convince myself it wouldn't work, but the more I think about it, the more I like it. I like it a lot too. Or that, or he goes to Boston and is an immediate threat to LeBron for the East Crown. Yeah, I, I think any anything he does this summer, any, anywhere he goes, will be interesting to see what he does. Um, we'll definitely be keeping keeping an eye on that, giving you guys the pulse. Um, of, of what happens, but that is for another episode. Um, yeah, they, I'm, I'm just so pumped about this draft right now. We have a few hours until it gets started. Throwing some fajitas on the grill. What are you doing for the draft? I'm going to uh, eat my cauliflower rice and tomatoes and probably cry while I'm watching it. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing that the rock move like up. That sounds like a terrible women's novel. Bro, cauliflower rice. Plot. <laughs> Cauliflower rice, guys. Hey, whatever gets you through the day, man. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. But yeah, uh, I think I'm going to wrap up this episode here. I want to thank all you listeners out there, all uh, five of you so far, building that fan both base. All both, both of you. Both, both of you, yeah. <laughs> I was embellishing there. We only have two. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Started from the bottom. All right, but, but uh, we're looking forward. We're looking forward to today's draft, the trades that happen, and uh, we'll cover anything and everything that happens in our next episode. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening again, guys. We'll see you next time. Sounds good. Peace. Much love. <laughs>